I want to share a message with you tonight that I'm going to call Hide and Seek. And if you'll turn with me in your Bibles to the book of Genesis, Genesis, the third chapter, and uh, verse 3 through 8, if I can get my iPad. Thank God for iPad. I understand what the brother was talking about this morning about not being able to read. I got to the point I couldn't even read my giant print Bible anymore. And that, that, that was really troubling. But iPad, man, you can blow that thing up where you can, you can read it a long ways off. And so thank you. Thank you so much, Brother Paul. Thank you. Uh, I'm calling this message simply hide and seek. Don't you appreciate the technical people? Uh, Alex has helped me so much here. I thank you for that, Alex. Hide and seek. Hide and seek. And we're using the text Genesis, the third chapter, verses 8 and 9. And they, speaking of Adam and Eve in the garden, heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And Adam and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God among the trees of the garden. Then the Lord God called to Adam and said to him, Where are you? Let's pray. Father, I thank you for the word of God. Holy Spirit, I thank you for your presence. I thank you for these precious people and their devotion, their commitment to you. I pray that you help me to be able to communicate truth clearly tonight, Lord, in a way that speaks to our hearts and gives us insight, gives us understanding. Challenge us, challenge us. Help us, O oh God, not to get caught in the cycle that Adam and Eve got caught in, but to find a way of escape from the cycle of death. I thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, of course, God is saying to him, where are you? But the real challenge that he's facing, he knows he's hiding, but does he know he's lost? I think this is the problem that we face in every one of our lives. You know, I don't think I am an old man until I wake up in the morning. And I try to get out of bed, and it takes me longer than it used to. Uh, there, 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 there's laughter that's going on, but, you know, you might as well relax because the truth of it is there's a big difference between where we are and where we think we are. Because the mental paradigm in our minds is the picture of yesterday. But we are living today. Hello. And, and in my mind, I think I can do it until I try. And suddenly I realize, boy, this is harder than it used to be. What's happening? There's a change that is taking place, and that's what's happened to Adam. Adam knows he's hiding in the garden, but he doesn't realize what's going on in his life, where he is. Now, God had spoke to him. This is back in chapter 2, Genesis 2 and 17. And he said, don't eat of this particular tree, because in the day that you eat of it, Dying, you shall surely die, is the way the King James reads on that. 
dying you shall surely die. But literally, that word surely die literally means dying you will continue to die. In other words, it becomes a cycle of death. We know that spiritually they died the moment they sinned. Hello. Physically, he didn't die for another 930 years. Physically, he's still here. But there is a process of death that starts working in him from the moment he sinned. Dying, you shall surely die. And so what I want to share with you tonight are five different words that help us to understand how this cycle works in every one of our lives. Now, somebody said, well, I'm not dying. Oh, just go look at a picture 10 years old. Hello. Death is working in all of our bodies. Now, yes, it is true. We have eternal life, but that's in my spirit. This body's not redeemed yet, and it will not be redeemed until Christ the King returns. When he returns, then mortal shall put on immortality. Corruptible will put on incorruption. But until that day, this outward man perishes day by day. But the inward man is renewed by the Spirit. So that's what we want to focus on. How do we break free from this cycle of death? Let me give you the first word. The first word we're going to talk about is vision, vision. And I, I, I put it simply as I can. Vision is opening our eyes to new possibilities. They're all around us. New possibilities, new opportunities. I, I too, truly enjoyed the young people leading worship tonight. It was very refreshing. It was very good. And, and, and uh, you young people, please, please understand that if, if some gray hairs sit down on the pew, it's not because we don't like what you're doing. We do like it. So when, when I was young, it's one of the things, one of the gifts that God gave me is energy, energy. I mean, I had so much energy as a young man that I, I, I could hardly even oh, stand myself. I, I look at my grandson today, and I see him bouncing around. I say, oh, God, help. Bless my dear mother. I mean, do something special for her in heaven, because I realize that's exactly the way I was when I was that age, just busting with energy. And I grew up thinking a lot of people were lazy. I'm a little wiser now, and I realize they weren't lazy. They were just tired. <laughs> Hello? They're just tired. So any of you young people leading worship, please, please have, have grace with us that have, have white hair because sometimes we just have to. I see my dear wife, you know, she's uh, what a precious woman of God. For 48 years we've been married and in ministry the whole 48 years. It's been wonderful. But, but sometimes she'll just have to sit down. And I say, that's okay. She feels bad about it, feels guilty, you know. No, go ahead, sit down. You can worship sitting down. On the day of Pentecost they were all <laughs> sitting. 
I can remember Dr. Pato saying it so well. We spend so much money to buy these pews, and then we never sit on them. I mean, it, 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 but, but there's truth in that. And as you get older, you understand that. So with this vision, the new possibilities are always there. They're all around us. Open your eyes to the new possibilities. What God wants to do, God wants to reveal to us that we can be more than we are today. In other words, you haven't reached your potential. Thank you. You have to wait for some amens. They're delayed. But it's true. How do I know? Because you're still here. We haven't preached your funeral. You're still vertical. You're still here. There are no accidents with God. Now, it is true that physically I cannot do what I did 20 years ago. I, I mentioned last night about, you know, preaching 55 times in two weeks, and man, we were having fun. If I tried to do that today, I'd be dead. It would kill me because physically I can't do that anymore. But the truth is I am more effective today than I have ever been in my life. Why? Because now it's not what I can do. It's what I'm influencing others to do. Oh, hallelujah. My, 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 my. God wants to reveal to us that we can be more than who we are right now, but we've got to learn to do it differently. See, Revelation gives us a vision of a preferred future. How can we change our world? How can we impact the future that will make a difference? Now, a lot of people have simply given up on that. They've given up on their hope. They've given up on their vision. As I mentioned last night, they're already dead. Hello, they're dead. They, 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 they're not producing any new fruit. Now, this is a scripture that in the book of Proverbs where he says, without a vision, quote it to me, the people perish. You know what that word vision means. In the Hebrew, it simply means a prophetic revelation. He's not just talking about our natural sight. No, he's talking about something that God reveals to us. So he said, without a prophetic revelation, the people are going to perish. Or other translations, they're going to dwell in a barren place. They're going to dwell in nakedness. They're, they're, they're going to lose hope. They will despair. That is not God's will for us. We don't have to do this, but the only way we can keep from doing it is we've got to have renewed vision. Now, going back to Adam and Eve, and I'm going to use their story to illustrate these principles. But it's true in my life. It's true in your life. It's true in your church. It's true in your group of churches. It is true in your business it's true in every facet of life, this cycle is taking place. And without new vision, without God giving us a picture of a preferred future, how are we going to impact the world? How are we going to make a difference? Because as I said last night, we have the old roots. We can talk about yesterday. We can talk about the roots, but we've got to have new shoots that are producing new fruit. Otherwise, we die. 
for Adam and Eve. What God has to give to Adam is another word from God. The scripture verse that I give you there is the first one that God had said to Adam, be fruitful and multiply. He blessed them. Subdue the earth and have dominion over it. That was the original command that God gave. But now God says to him, and this is Genesis 3.19, in the sweat of your brow, you are going to eat your bread. In other words, things just changed. Dodge Trucks made that so famous a few years ago. The rules just changed. The rules just changed for Adam. In the sweat of your brow. Now, the truth of it is, what every one of us need more than anything else is a word from God. We need God to speak to us. We need him to give us direction, to give us counsel, to show us what we should do. Otherwise, we're caught in this cycle. And the only way we're going to break free is for God to give us new vision. So he said, in the sweat of your face, you're going to eat your bread. Adam responds to that just like we should respond to it. He began to prophesy his future. His future is connected with the relationship he has with his wife. Everything is changing now. And so he looks at Eve in Genesis 3 and 20, and he says to woman, you are Eve. Or the word simply means mother. And he calls her mother of all living. Mother. What's Adam know about mothers? He's never seen a mother before in his life. He's prophesying something. He's speaking something into existence. That is in connection with Eve, his relationship with Eve. And listen very carefully here because this is where too many of us make the mistake of thinking it's Eve's fault. If she hadn't have tempted me, if she hadn't have brought me that fruit, if and we start blaming each other, no, blaming's not going to change it. Hello, getting angry at Eve is not going to change it. Walking away from Eve is not going to change it. The relationship must transition. And that brings me to my second word. The second word is the word passion. Passion. This is a great gift that God has given me. And I have so many people ask me over and over again, where do you get your energy? Right there it is. Passion. My passion for God. My love for God. My love for souls keeps me going. Do you hear me? Passion. Passion is the fuel that is necessary to ignite the fire which will be needed to overcome the problems. In other words, this is not heaven. You will have problems in your church. I don't want to discourage anybody, but let's face reality. The reality is there are no perfect churches. There are no perfect people. In fact, I find people, you know, they, they're looking for a perfect church so they can mess it up. Because we're not perfect.
We're just people. This, there's going to be these inevitable problems that will arise. How do you overcome the problems? you got to have the passion, the drive that will take you beyond that, the drive that keeps you motivated, that energizes you. It's passion. This is what happens to Adam. It's the passion of his new embrace that helps him forget what he just lost. He just lost paradise. Now, in transitioning in his relationship with his wife, that's what I, I, I've told my wife this many times over the years. And uh, oh my, some of the problems that we've had to deal with in different circumstances in ministry. And I would tell her, honey, I can fight hell all day long if I can come home to a little bit of heaven. Do you understand? It, 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 it was the relationship, the loving relationship, the safety that I found in my marriage, in my home, that kept me sane, that kept me from killing somebody, that kept me from doing, you know, something that was terrible. The passion of that. In other words, paradise used to be his home, but now home becomes paradise. God help us to understand this. It's why relationships are so important in our life. Family, church, without those good relationships, there are not going to be any roots to produce fruit. Hello? Now, looking at Adam again, what Adam has to do is transition. You're never going to get out of transition. Hello? All of life is transition. You go from being the baby to the child. From the child to the youth, the young person. From the young to the young single adult, to the young married adult, to the now the parent, then the grandparenting. Now the truth of it is, and I see some of you, just I mentioned the word grandparenting and you start smiling. Why? Because the truth of it is, grandparenting is one of the highlights. I, I, I don't know. They, they tell me that great-grandparenting is even better, if, if you're still able to enjoy it, you know. But uh, grand, grandparenting, there are no words to describe it. It's, it's like seeing your babies again after 25 years. Yeah, yeah, you, you know, I, I can tell the grandparents in here. I mean, they, you, you just look, they're, they're beaming all over the place here. It, it, you can't explain it. You can only experience it. Oh, I've said so many times, my, my grandchildren, that when they were smaller, now they're getting into that youth style, you know, and I'm, I'm having to change again change, transition. But when they were small, man, I, I loved one of our biggest games. You know, I get on the floor on my hands and knees, and they get on my back. And they call it, uh, we want a piggy ride. I don't know where they come up with piggy ride, but that was what they called it. And they'd ride, they would laugh like little idiots. I mean, and, they, and they're jumping back on me and they're climbing all over me. And, uh, oh, we were having a wonderful time. Now, th this is what Adam has to do in his relationship with Eve. Excuse me. I take medicine for my allergies. 
and it works. But it not only dries up my head, it dries up my mouth. Here's what Adam has to do. Adam has to transition from being a gardener to becoming a husband. Or another way of saying it, he has to go from loving the land to loving the lady. Now, some of you pastors need to pay real close attention here because some of you are in love with the ministry. You're not in love with the people of God. And that's one of the reasons that you're not being more effective than you are. It's not you're not a good preacher. You are a good preacher. But the truth is you can't help anybody you don't love. It all starts there. So he has to transition from loving the garden, loving the land, to loving the lady. He makes the transition. You see, and in making this transition, without this passion that he has, the fire of revelation will quickly be put out, be extinguished. But the passion is what helps him overcome. He just lost paradise. Now his relationship with his wife becomes paradise. And in the midst of all of this, God has to get involved and what we call force him out of his comfort zone. Anybody ever get forced out of your comfort zone? I mean, it's, it's like it's not fair that God is saying, get out. Get out. And he pushes Adam and Eve out of the garden. I used to look at that only in a negative sense until one day I realized Adam and Eve already have sinned. Death works in their spirit. And if they were to eat of the tree of life in that fallen condition, there would be no salvation. There would be no redemption. There's no way that you could re be able to redeem them because they have eaten of the tree of life in a fallen condition. And so God forces them out of, I'm talking to some of you right now, that the pressure that you have been under, the force that's been pushing you. And it's so easy to blame it all on the devil. No, for many of us, it's God trying to get us in a place where we don't have to die. Enforcing them out of that, God refused to allow them to continue on a route that was destined for eternal death. Now the truth is, every one of us struggle with giving up our gardens. Every one of us. Gardens are beautiful spots. Gardens are pleasant places. Gardens are peaceful places. But like with Adam and Eve, there's a serpent in every garden. And so now they are forced out of it. Let me give you the third word. The third word is the word courage. This is where so many visions die. Courage. God gives a vision, but we don't have the courage to act upon it. How many Budding romances have died at this point because the attraction was there, but we didn't have the courage to build that relationship. 
And because we didn't have the courage to, as I say, sign on the dotted line, we didn't have the courage to act upon it. Now, this, this is one of the vital parts of the Christian life. You can call it different words. You can call it faith, and it is faith. You, you, you can call it confidence. It is confidence. There's many different ways that we can say it. I, I remember I had an associate pastor that said to me years ago, he said, Dale, you will always do more for God than I will because you're willing to take the risk. He was right. He was right. I had a young man say to me just a few days ago, I was talking to him about something, and he said, I thank you for talking to me. I know you took a great risk in doing this. And I said, I've been a risk taker all my life. Hello. We call it living by faith. The courage to act upon it. See, without that, if we don't have the courage to act upon it, then we don't transition to the next stage. What Adam has to do at this point, he has to transition from being a husband to becoming a father. And I want to pause here for just a moment and say to CMI, it's time for some of you men to rise up and become spiritual fathers. You are great men of God. You are great ministers. And that's exactly what Bishop Paino was to you, to so many of us. That's, that's what I look back at. And I, I, I say of, uh, in our fellowship, W.S. McMasters was a father to me. But now he's gone and I've become the father. Do you understand? You have to transition you have to think differently. Fathers don't think of themselves. Fathers think of the family. Fathers think of their sons. They think of their grandsons. And when I see that little boy running around, I don't see a little boy. I see a young man. I see a young warrior. I see a young preacher. Because I know I used to be there. That was me. Now, I become the father. That's what happens to Adam in this. Adam has to transition. See, we truly believe when we are willing to sign the dotted line. I have counseled so many young ladies and, and said to them, please, please, when he tells you he loves you, don't you believe a word of it. Unless his next words are, will you marry me? If he's not willing to make the commitment, that's just what we call puppy love. Puppy love will lead you a dog's life. Puppy love is not going to fulfill your dreams. You've got to be willing to sign the dotted line, to risk it all. We call it faith, faith. When we're willing to sign the dotted line, or another way of saying it is, we're willing to make the necessary sacrifices to see the vision fulfilled. My, the money that I have spent on my two daughters, I don't count it spending money as much as I count it an investment. Now, I thought once I got my girls out of college that at least my wallet would be healthier. I forgot about the grandkids. 
Oh, my. And See, that's the way fathers think, though. And this is what happens to Adam. Adam transitions. Now he's not just a husband. He's become a father. And becoming a father, he's willing to make the sacrifices. The scripture tells us, this is Genesis 4 and 1, and Adam knew Eve, his wife, and she conceived and bare a son. The word knew there, what does that mean? Does that mean he never met her before? Of course not. Does that, no, 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 no. This word knew is an experimental knowledge. It doesn't mean theory. It means something you have experienced. And what that verse is saying, Adam has experienced his wife Eve in a way he never experienced her before. And the result of that was, of course, a baby was born. And she said, I have acquired a man from the Lord. It was the fulfilling of the vision. The vision is now coming to pass, and the baby is born. Of course, in her mind, she's thinking Messiah, Messiah, because she heard what God said. Your seed is going to bruise the serpent's head. That old serpent, the devil that lied to her that deceived her and she's thinking messiah here's the baby that's gonna crush the serpent's head of course we know that did not happen but that's what she is thinking so this is the stages you go through the vision the passion and the courage now let me bring you to the fourth word and the fourth word is what changes everything. It's the word routine. Routine. That's where the light of revelation slowly begins going out. Dying you shall surely die. It's not going to happen overnight, no. 930 years later, though, we're going to preach his funeral. It's a process that's working within him. And every one of us deal with this. So now we come to the place of routine. I just read to you from Genesis 4 and 1, Adam knew his wife Eve and she conceived and bore a son and said, I have acquired a man from the Lord. But look at verse 2. Verse 2 simply says, then she bore again. What is missing from that? What is missing? There's no new revelation. Now, th this is so pronounced that some Bible scholars will tell you they think that Cain and Abel were actually twins. I do not believe that. I don't think that's what he's trying to communicate to us at all. But it's obvious he's trying to communicate. With Cain, Adam knew his wife. With Abel, and she bore again. In other words, there was no new revelation for him. What you might say is, they have come to the point with no new revelation, they're just going through the motions. They've been reduced to automation. You've seen it. 
young couples madly in love with each other that turn out to be just the old man and the old lady. Hello, what's happened? What happened? The revelation went out. The vision died. In fact, they get to the point they can hardly see each other. Uh, Charles Green told me this story just a few days ago about two old gentlemen that's talking about a new restaurant one of them had discovered. This new restaurant, he said, man, it was a wonderful meal, wonderful meal. You need to go eat there. That's what his friend said. Where is it? What's the name of the restaurant? He thought for a moment. He, um, uh, I, 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 I can't think of it right now. He, well, well, what is it? I mean, I, I, I want. What, what's the name of the restaurant? And he said, "It's like a, a flower, a flower, and and flower." A restaurant, a flower? He said, yeah, yes, yes, yes. It, bright red, real bright red. It smells very good. It, uh, and uh, are you talking about a rose? That's it. That's it. A rose. Rose, what was the name of that restaurant where we ate last night? <laughs> now, we all laugh because we've all seen it happen, haven't we? Oh, yes. Yeah. <laughs> oh, God, help us. We need new vision. They've been reduced to automation. That's why you don't see old folks on the platform leading worship. Thank you. We might fall and hurt ourselves, you know, who knows? Can you believe it? One time I actually played the guitar and led singing. Ah, yeah. <laughs> you, you were back there too. That's why you remember, you know. I mean, man. Oh, but that has changed. That is transition. Does that mean I stop worshiping? Not at all. It just simply means, as my daughter say to me, Daddy, you just preached. Let Mama sing. Now, this automation where Adam and Eve, they're going through the motions, but they don't have any new insight. We've all seen it with preachers. Preaching the same old sermon, just putting a new title on it. Going through the motions. No new revelation. It doesn't have to end that way. No. See, what's happened to Adam, what's happened to him is what's happened to a lot of people. They forgot where they are in life, who they have become. They're still thinking, I'm the young man. But they're not the young man anymore. It's like in the prophet talked about the tribe of Ephraim, and he said, he's got a gray hair in his beard. He's got gray in his hair, but he doesn't know it. And so many people don't know where they are in life. For instance, another way of saying this is Adam is like an 18-wheeler with all those tires. 
He's still rolling. But like a tire with a slow leak, he's losing pressure. And what so many of us do when we got the slow leak, we don't fix the leak. We just simply stop and put some air in the tire and drive on. I've seen a lot of churches like that. Every Sunday, they pump everybody back up. They come back the next week, pump everybody back up. That's not the answer. The answer is new revelation, new insight. It's not just Adam that has this problem. Eve's got it too. You can hear it in her voice when she names her second baby, Vanity. Who would name a baby Vanity? A disappointed mama, that's who. A disappointed mother. She thought that Cain would be the Messiah. And she can already see the seed is working in him too. He's not acting like Messiah. He's acting like Adam. He... Are you listening? Oh, God help us. I know so many disappointed old preachers. Disappointed pastor's wives. The fire's gone out. The passion's died. I don't want to end up like that. I don't want to end like that. I do not believe that is God's will for our lives. But the only way we're going to keep that is to break out of that cycle of death with new vision, with renewed passion, with renewed courage. Now let me give you the fifth cycle. The fifth step is death. It's where truth becomes locked in time. The picture I've given you there is actually a picture from out west called the Petrified Forest. Anybody ever seen that? Oh, yeah, several of you. It's amazing, isn't it? What, what you see there, these huge pieces of stone, actually one time were living trees, giant trees that were growing. And it's one of the evidences that there had to be some kind of a flood because something happened to those trees that brought them down and, and they were submerged underwater for so long that they petrified. Oh, that's not God's will for us. And yet, you know it as well as I know it. There are dead churches. I won't ask for a show of hands, but have you ever preached in a dead church? Boy, I, I traveled for years with my wife as an evangelist, and, and, and you, you, you learned you had to do what you had to do. If you go in a church that's sick, you got to heal it. If it's dead, you got to raise it from the dead. you you got to do whatever you got to do to have revival. Anybody here there? You, you know what I'm talking about? It's true, isn't it? And, and, and that, oh, my, my, my. This cycle where truth becomes locked in time. I want to emphasize something here. I'm not talking about bad people. I'm not talking about bad churches. I'm just talking about dead churches. There's a difference. If they die, they're going to heaven. And I'm so glad so many people are going to heaven because they're so miserable down here. <laughs> Amen. Oh, my. This is not God's plan for your life. 
God wants you to break free from this cycle of death. I was telling a brother today, I was talking about it, and I said, you know, one of the things I've discovered, churches don't die. Somebody kills them with bad decisions, with bad choices. It's, it, it's a process, and there's a consequence to what we do. Now, this cycle of death that I'm talking about, it had already released itself, not just in Adam, but in his family. And there's the scripture in Genesis 4 and 8 where it says, And Cain rose up against Abel, his brother, and killed him. You never want to see that. As one brother said, there are two things, two things in life you never want to see. One of them is people making sausage. <laughs> Secondly is politics in the church. Oh, my. And what he meant, it will, it'll turn your stomach. That's what he meant. He'll make you sick. We've all seen it, though. We've seen it. Good people that kill each other, attack each other. How do we get in that condition? This is brother against brother. He rose up and he killed him. See, the Abel, what used to be full of promise, is now nothing more than a cold corpse. No wonder Adam's hopes are dashed. No wonder his dreams are gone. No wonder he's a broken-hearted old man. How would you feel if that was your baby boy and your own son killed him? It's a heartbreaking thing. Heartbreaking. But what we must do, and this is what Adam did, do not allow your past pain to become a prison. Find the key to unlock the door and get out with new vision, with new passion. Oh, it's what I said last night. I determined I'm going to live until I die. I'm not going to die before my time. I'm going to find a way, some way, somehow to stay alive. That's what he did. And the Bible says of Adam... Adam needs new revelation. It says of him in verse 25, And Adam knew his wife again. That makes me want to cry. Adam knew. Remember, back in verse 2, And she bore again. No new revelation. Verse 1, there was revelation he knew his wife. In verse 25, there's new revelation, and that's why he calls his name Seth. Seth, because he said, God has appointed me another seed for Abel whom Cain has destroyed. Listen to me. I'm speaking to you prophetically. We don't have to die. God will appoint you a new seed. God will raise up another generation. God will raise up new vision. And he knew her again. 
And this time, Seth was born. But that wasn't the end of it. The very next verse, it says, And to Seth was born a son. In other words, it's what we've said so many times. If you think that the children are great, you just wait until you see the grandchildren. Pardon me. I have to take, take a small look. That's my babies, my grandbabies. And suddenly I'm not, I was daddy, and then I became dad. Now I'm poppy, poppy. Somebody said, what are they going to call you? Whatever they want to. That's not your decision to make. They'll call you whatever they choose. <laughs> and I'm poppy to them, to those little guys. Oh, my, as they said, if I'd have known it was so wonderful, I'd have had them first. <sighs> Grandchildren, there's nothing like it. That's what's happening to Adam and Eve. That's how you keep from dying. You produce another generation. You go from being just... A man of God to a spiritual father. I'm not ashamed of it. It's a badge of honor that I wear. The greatest thing that I have accomplished in ministry is not the church. Our pastor is a very good church. It's not the hundreds of churches that I've helped to build. It's not all the books that I've printed. No. It's the spiritual sons and daughters that I've been able to raise up all around the world. That's what keeps me alive. That's what keeps me going. That's what renews the passion within me. The vision. The vision. Now, do you remember in the original command that God gave in the blessing back in Genesis 1.28 where he said, God blessed them and said, be fruitful and multiply. Now, this is the best I could do with my computer. Please forgive me. That's a Hispanic man. I don't know his name. But that's a Hispanic man. And his seven children. But that's really not what he promised. Because you know how he got those babies? One at a time. That's addition. That's not multiplication. See, you don't get into multiplication until you get to the third generation. It doesn't happen because the baby, oh, now once in a while, yes, yes, we get twins and then we get triplets. You know, I mean, that, that is something that is very exceptional. But that's, that's breaking the rule. The rule is for almost all of us is one baby at a time. But when the grandbabies start growing up, I saw it in my wife's family, her mother and dad, who are now gone, and I was honored to preach both their funerals. He was a grand old man. They were married for 62 years when he died. In those 62 years, they went from doing two people to over 100 people in their family. 
when you started, there was seven children, 15 grandchildren, 36 great-grandchildren, and now we're getting into the great-great. And I, I, I can remember when it was coming together one year, and we had five new babies in the family in one year. That's multiplication. That's multiplication. Be fruitful and multiply. It's the same in the church. It's the only way that it works in the church. That spiritual fathers become grandfathers. And when you become grandfathers, suddenly you're into multiplication. Suddenly you're not talking about planting a church. You're talking about planting a whole group of churches, a whole fellowship of churches. Suddenly you're not talking about establishing a church in a community. You're talking about taking a city or you're talking about shaking a nation. You get into multiplication and that's what God intends for us. But we cannot do it alone. We can only do it as we multiply ourselves from generation to generation. And so, my challenge to you tonight, the challenge is, let's break free from this cycle. We don't have to die. Let's break free from it. And the way we break free from it is when new vision unlocks the door with new revelation from God. Have you learned something tonight? God, help us to put it to practice. Father, I poured out my heart tonight. You know I'm not just preaching to this group of pastors. You know my respect that I have for them. Oh, Jesus, I'm preaching to me too. Help me, oh God. I cannot do business like I did yesterday and be effective. No, 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 I can't do it. I've got to find a younger generation. I've got to find somebody I can pass this mantle off to. I've got to find somebody I, I, I can give this sword to. Oh, Jesus, I've got to take what you put in me, and I've got to pour it out. Pour it out. Help me to do it effectively. Help me, oh, Jesus. I pray for every one of us tonight. Help us. Give us a vision. Give us a passion. Give us the courage to act upon it. I will do it. I'm going to follow you. There's always a risk that is involved in faith. I will take the risk because I believe you are a good God and you will keep your promise. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. We play, just lead us in something. Let's just worship him for a few moments. Thank you, Jesus. 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 Would you stand with me? Let's just lift up our hands. Let's begin to worship him. Let's just begin to worship him. I love you. I love you. I love you. I worship you, hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Yes, 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 yes.
Yes, 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 yes. Yes, 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 yes. yes. Jesus. Jesus, 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 Jesus. Jesus, 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 Jesus. Abba de kababadi, abba de kibadi, 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 Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, Lord. I sense the Holy Spirit is challenging us tonight. One of the greatest needs in the kingdom of God all over the world is for spiritual fathers and spiritual mothers. It's for an older generation that will rise up and say, I take the challenge. I make the commitment. I will make the sacrifice to make it happen. To raise up another generation. Another generation. I believe that God is speaking to many of you right now, and I want to pray for you. If that's you and God's speaking to you, I want you to hold up your hand, hold it up real high. You want God to make you a spiritual father. Spiritual father. Or like me, a spiritual grandfather, a spiritual mother, a spiritual grandmother. Father, you can see every hand that is raised here tonight. I call heaven to bear witness tonight. Our hands are raised before you, oh God. Oh God. Oh God. Oh God. Oh God. Help us to raise up another generation. A missionary generation. A generation that only fears God and hates sin. I believe you. I believe you. Oh, yes, 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 yes. Help us to find the ways, the means to pour out what you poured in us. To share it, to pass it on. Oh, yes. To challenge them, to equip them, to mentor them. I believe you to do it. I believe you to do it. Yes, yes. We don't have to die. We don't have to die. We can be fruitful and multiply. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Do you believe he's heard us? Of course he's heard us. Let's give him thanks. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Yes, 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 yes. Hallelujah. The scripture is very clear about this. The end of a thing is better than its beginning. Jesus was very clear. You have saved the best until the last. Ah, yes. It's more than just a saying. The old wine is the best wine. Now, I know, I understand. You see the young couple madly in love with each other. They're just getting married. Beautiful wedding. But that's not love. That's just the promise of love. It's when you see the old white-haired man. My son-in-law said he went in to see this couple. She's lying there in the bed. She's 94 years old. He's 96. 
They've been married for so many years, and he's got his hand on top and under her hand, and he's just sitting there looking at her. My son-in-law said, I went in to encourage them, but I left encouraged because I saw real love, true love. That's what God wants to do in our churches. He saved the best till the last. That means I haven't lived my best day yet. I've not sipped the sweetest wine yet. Oh, my, 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 my. If grandkids are this great, I can only imagine what the great-grandkids are going to be like. We go from faith to faith, from strength to strength, from glory to glory. Let's give him praise. Give him praise. Hallelujah. You can be seated for just a moment. Carol, come here.